When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 98. I'm Miss Wolfen, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning into the show. You can tap in your app or check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod, or for me at HiltonD13, on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group. That's for deeper dives and discussions. And you can also help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows. That is at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. Well, you might be surprised if you normally follow the show that we didn't release any askings about La Ronda, about any questions this week, because this is a special edition of the Barcelona podcast for episode 98. Without further ado, I am Dan Hilton, joined by my co-host for the day, Navid Molagai, and this is our La Masia special. This is something that people have been asking for on Twitter, on social media, and so I'm excited to finally be able to get into a deep dive, and we're going to be talking about plenty of things today. The preseason tour... Some of the other Barca B players and their perspective for the season. The long-term effects of the transfer ban, you might remember from a few years ago. We're going to talk about some of the players that have left the club, that being the youth products. And then we're going to end the show with, I guess, what people really want to hear. And that's with some of the standouts at the even younger divisions. Now, the first thing, before I even introduce Naveed, and I'll let him add on to this, that with these young players, the caveat, the disclaimer we want to put right at the the top of the show is that 
Young players, particularly teenagers, have a whole lot to go. There's a lot of work to be put in, and from the time a guy is 15 to the time when he is 25 years old and in a first team somewhere, there's a lot of development to be had, and a lot has to go right. They have to be very lucky, and they have to work hard. And so all of the players that we are going to talk about are not future superstars. They are not starting 11 players at Barcelona or elsewhere. And so a big caveat we always add is that we want to not overhype. This is merely an informational show to give you a deep dive of some of the players for you to get excited about, but don't expect them to be in the first team starting with Messi tomorrow, because that's not what this is about. This is about the process. And Naveed, the process of this show, as I've talked about, the outline is getting you on because you are one of the experts. And again, maybe you just want to reintroduce yourself. This is your second time on the show. Yeah, my name is uh, my name is Navid. Um, I'm from I'm from Denmark, and uh, I follow La Masia regularly. I've been doing so for about a handful of years now, uh, and I write about it uh, on Twitter, uh, both on my own account, but especially on the Young Coolest account. Um, yeah, where we we're a, we're a handful of guys who follow La Masia from around the world and uh, write about it from time to time, news results and stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, I'm very excited to be to be on the show. And I just want to like give kudos to you for the uh, for the disclaimer because you're completely right. Uh, people maybe rightly so as well. They tend to hype a lot of players, and I have I, I'm I'm also kind of at fault for it because I make a lot of videos about the the young players, and it's hard not to get excited because they are they all just look so good. But but you have to everybody just has has to be. Uh, patient and know that it is a process for the young players as you as you mentioned yourself and i also do want to tell people that if you stick around for our entire show if you get through our entire discussion we've got a special tease from navid about some exciting la masia news as well at the end of the show but the word that you said that stuck out to overhyping and getting on that what's called i guess the hype train the player that we'll start this show with and he'll be our cover photo and you kind of knew that this was expected to happen Ricky Puj, who basically has seen his star rise for the last about four or five months, where he got a few appearances for Barca B, but he was a main part of the team for Juvenil A and the U19 squad that won the UEFA Youth League. So that is where his this mythos has begun. And Puj, with his performances and the preseason tour, because that's again where we're starting this one, has has not detracted anyone from saying that he is a future star and now calling for him to get some minutes on the bench. And then you look at the other guy, Juan Miranda. I'm going to bunch these two together because these are the two players that you expect are going to be at least featuring sometimes, occasionally, maybe getting bench appearances for, again, games like the Supercopa, or they should be getting starts in the Copa del Rey as well. And the reason why we're going to start with Puj and Miranda is not only is Carlos Eleni injured, but he's actually not a focus of this show. He is currently with the first team. He's going to be a first team player. So he's no longer an academy prospect that we're going to be talking about. And as far as Marco Correa and Sergi Palencia go, they're either going to be stuck with Barca B, it appears, or they will be moving on from the club in the remaining part of the transfer window. So Puj and Miranda is where we start. And Naveed, again, they showed promising things in the preseason tour in the U.S., uh, but again, what is their perspective for the coming season? The perspective for them, <clears throat> as things are looking right now, uh, Ricky, he will, yeah, I mean, I would say definitely be a regular uh, at Barca B. He'll, he'll be, he'll be the important player in midfield, I would say, uh, alongside uh, a guy who also would have been playing a lot in preseason, I think, if he wasn't injured, Oriol Busquets. Um, 
So Ricky and Oriol, they will control the Barca B midfield next season. Uh, they also have other good midfielders, but those two are definitely their star midfielders for next season. And I would assume that Ricky will, will also uh, get a couple of appearances on the first team, um, especially in the cup games. Um, I'm not too sure if he'll get a lot more minutes because the, I mean, for, for the first team, because um, the midfield is pretty crowded at the moment. Um, I would expect things to be a bit less crowded next season, uh, next summer. Uh, so there will be a bit room for him uh, to be promoted. But um, yeah, he, he definitely needs some time at the B team. He's only played like three games for them. Uh, and he hasn't started a game for, for Barca B yet. Uh, and he needs to adapt uh, to the uh, to the physicality of, uh, of senior level football. And not that he's going to has to be forced to go to the gym all the time, but it's just a natural process. He'll play games and adapt, and hopefully hopefully he can uh, leave a good mark at Barca B and get a chance on the first team. Yeah, certainly. It's not just his stature, because he is almost 19 years old, and so his body is, we'll say, 85% of what it's going to be. He's always going to be a diminutive player, but adapting and figuring out how to use your body and dealing with that physicality is actually the key. It's how to use his small frame and we see that, obviously, the likes of Xavi, the likes of Messi, they are not tall guys. <laughs> they are not imposing figures, but they know exactly how to use their low center of gravity. Even in the first team now, when you look at, while he is only 21, the things that Arthur already knows how to do at his diminutive size, and the way he uses his size, and he has a little more of a stocky frame than, than Puj, but nevertheless, what are the things that, and this is, again, a joint question with what is it about Puj, other than what he has to learn about the physicality, what are the, the things that set him apart that, than some of the rest of the Barca B midfielders that he has shown those flashes of future stardom? And the same thing with Miranda, I guess not to put down Kukurea, but of what we've seen in Miranda, what do you think he did well in the preseason tour to show that he is the left back who it looks like he's going to be the backup to Jordi Alba? He'll mainly, he's registered as a B player, so he'll be playing with the B team, but when needed, he'll be called up to be... The, the starter supplementing Alba when Alba either needs a rest or if in case of injury. Yeah, so uh, just first uh, with regards to Ricky, I mean, the, the special thing about him is he, of course, he's extremely, extremely gifted on the ball. You can just see his touch as Gattuso, the Milan legend and coach said. I mean, it's like poetry. He has, he has a very, very nice touch, a very delicate touch, a very fine touch. Um, but the thing about Ricky that... Uh, that stands out, I think, um, is it's the way he positions himself. He's extremely smart, and he knows where the space is between the lines. Uh, actually, I don't think uh, everybody knows this, but uh, Ricky isn't really a natural midfielder. I mean, he, he hasn't always been a midfielder. He, um, in his youth days, uh, <laughs> he's still in his youth days, but when he was even younger, he, he played false nine. And he played an attack. And when he joined Barca, he wasn't. Uh, he played an attack as a false nine. Uh, usually, he had a winger to his right, and then Abel Ruiz uh, a bit to his left. And he was he was just an absolute plague for defenders. He just knew how to position himself, and they just couldn't get anywhere near him. And already back then, he was already like uh, 20, 30 centimeters lower than everybody else. So the thing about adapting physically. Um, uh, to the senior players, in a way, he, he he's already used to it because he's always had this disadvantage that he's converted to an advantage, actually. He, he, he's figured out a way to constantly find space with his 
size because of his size actually I mean it's it's almost as if people don't really notice him but then he has the ball and then he just creates um, when he was a false nine he scored a lot of goals he assisted a lot and also dominated uh, and actually I've been very surprised to see after he's been con- after he's been converted to a central midfielder how good he's been at playing a lot deeper and you know, really being a part of the build-up play because he actually had some problems with the conversion to the midfield in like two years ago when they started to play him in midfield more. Um, but last season he just really absolutely exploded under Garcia Pimienta at the under 19s, and yeah, he's 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 been terrific in preseason. And um, yeah, actually, a quick anecdote: uh, there was this guy. Um, when Ricky and Juvenil B, Juven, yeah, yeah, he was at Juvenil B, they played the Nike FC um, in London at the Wembley Stadium. Uh, and there was, a, there was a scout from Brentford who just who contacted me right after the game, uh, who wrote, who is this Ricky? Uh, how can he be so incredible at finding space all the time when he's twice as small as all the other players? <laughs> um, and and I, I think he... Uh, he explained it. He, I mean, he described it pretty well. I mean, Ricky is just—he's just a plague, and you could see like he was just uh, bullying somebody like Kessie from Milan, who is like—I think he's around one meter ninety or something—and um, he had to take Ricky down. Uh, I mean, he's uh, Ricky is a—he's a fine, fine player, and I, I can't wait to see how he does uh, next season. Now, for the positives of, of Pooja Miranda. Um, we unfortunately have to be a little negative about the preseason tour that Abu Ruiz and Jorge Cuenca will have to say that the forward and the center defender respectively, those are the two guys that you expected to be in the same class with Puj and Miranda and at different positions even pushing into the first team and particularly for Abu Ruiz where Luis Suarez at his age, you'd want Abu Ruiz, you're hoping that his star is starting to rise and he's starting to show you things but those two largely were, were, were pretty disappointing and with Cuenca, this is a little aside I want to throw in here, and not to, to sound snobbish from the two of us, but he came over from Barca B as a player from Alcacorn, where he played his, his where he was a youth product, and even saw some appearances for their first team. But would you count signing for Barca B as still a part of La Masia? Because you see players like even Jose Arnaiz, who signed for the B team from Real uh, Valladolid, that these guys really aren't youth products who've come through the entire academy, but by joining Barca B they're put into the system and then slowly worked up to the first team. Musa Wagwe just signing for Barca B being the latest example of that, where, again, Cuenca isn't a guy who has, who's gotten that full La Masia education. Uh, so I would, I would say, how do you view him on his track and being the most promising center back in the system, if you will, what do you think of his performance and the, again, a, a rather disappointing performance from Abu Ruiz? I mean, uh, to be fair, Cuenca, he was actually signed for Juvenil A uh, this summer, but then he he played uh, more for Barca B. Um, uh, not this summer, but last summer, sorry. But uh, you are right. I mean, there is a distinction. And I mean, of, of course, there's nothing really official. Um, but I would say that when you're signed for Juvenil A or some, uh, some lower level, um, then you are... Then I would call them a La Masia player, a La Masia graduate. Um, and of course, I mean, of course, you can sign a player for the B team who fits the Barca style and who might as well have come 
up from the academy, somebody like Denis uh, Suarez, who when he joined, he just looked as if he, 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 he has been playing for uh, for the academy since he was like 10, uh, when he joined it back in 2013 for the B team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, of course, it's I, I think it's a, a smaller issue, but of course, I wouldn't call um, Bagwe or Adamaiz uh, an academy uh, uh, player. Cuenca, <laughs> Cuenca is, a, is, a, is a bit of a weird situation, but I mean, technically, if I had to draw the line, I would call him an academy uh, prospect. Actually, uh, Carlos Puyol and Pedro, they were signed for Unile at the time when they joined the club, and then they just stayed at Unile and Barca B for, for a longer time. Uh, before getting a shot at the first team, but when they signed at the age of 17, I think they both signed 17, 18, uh, they were both uh, signed for the Juvenile and then the year after that they joined Barca B, so, and we all call, I mean, everybody, everybody knows uh, knows them as La Masia prospects, so, of course, there's a fine line, um, but, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I didn't even get to talk about Miranda, but just quickly, I think, uh, yeah, he did very well, I mean, he is extremely promising. Uh, he, he he fits uh, he fits for for the physicality of senior football already. He's tall, strong, uh, pretty fast. Maybe not the best acceleration, but I, I'm sure he will work on that. Um, but I think it's a very good idea by, by the club to to register him for Barca B and then give him some minutes with the first team and let him train uh, with the first team whenever needed. Um, I think that's that's a that's a good way of developing, and then we'll see next season, uh, where he must leave Barca B in some ways, whether or not he'll be promoted to the first team or be loaned out. Uh, we'll have to see about that. But I think his his uh, projection is pretty safe uh, currently, and I think we should be uh, hopeful for him. Um, in terms of Cuckoo uh, and against, in, terms of, uh, in terms of Cuenca, yeah, I mean, the, the defense in preseason looked pretty much in shambles at times, um, especially against Tottenham in the second half. Um, but I mean, he's still he's still pretty young, Cuenca, uh, and uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, give him that much of a shot. Uh, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet on him to become a first team player, especially because the competition is extremely tough at left centre back at the first team right now with uh, Umtiti, Longley, Vermalen. Um, but he, he's a decent player, and of course, it is dif- it is more difficult for centre backs to, to 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 take the leap from Barca B to the first team. Um, in terms of uh, with regards to Abel uh, Abel Ruiz, Abel he we all everybody who followed Amasia have uh, really high expectations from from him because he's been he's he's always. Uh, played with the older boys, so uh, players who were one year older than older than him, and he's the most. He's a, he always scored so many goals. Of course, um, he's the he's the highest scoring Spanish youth national player. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I mean that's largely things. where that's largely where I get to watch him is, is when he does Spain youth tournaments, and <sighs> he's I mean he's fantastic for Spain, and yes. he really he's he's the standout player. For all that, yeah. for all that Real Madrid has in their system, Valencia, which is obviously where he came from, and all of that, he is clearly the standout player. Yeah, he is. He is, and um, unfortunately, he has had some confidence problems with at Barca, uh, for, especially for the past year. Uh, his first year at Barca B has been somewhat difficult for him. 
um, even though he started a lot of games, uh, he started out pretty well scoring against Granada away. Um, at that point, he was still 17. Um, but but yeah, he, he had a bit of a he had a bit of a rough spell. Um, he didn't score that many goals. Um, but I mean, I would I would say I, I think it's I think it's a bit. Uh, I think it's a bit of a shame for him um, that he that he's been feeling like that. I mean, he obviously had some confidence issues uh, throughout last season, and when he when he actually did play for Unile, he played extremely well and he scored a goal and assisted a goal in the in the final of the youth league. Especially his assist for Alejandro Marquez's first goal was just terrific. He he, he just uh, with his back towards goal, he dribbled past the defender and with high speed he uh, he came into the. To the area uh, and and assisted for uh, for Marquez. I mean that's a typical. That's just so typical of Abel because it's not just that he he's there to score goals. He's a very very good team player as well. So he, he makes a lot of assists and he creates a lot of space for um, for his teammates. Um, but but yes, he he unfortunately didn't have the best of preseasons with the first team. Um, he had that miss against Roma uh, when he could have scored. Um, scored the 3-1 goal for Barca um, but I would say um, I would say that that people should be um, that people should still be uh, confident that that he can grow into a, a good player uh, he's under very good guidance currently by Garcia Pimienta uh, after actually it's funny after he made that uh, incredible assist for um, for Alejandro Marquez in the final uh, you can hear Garcia Pimienta, the coach of Unile at the time, uh, on the touchline, he like yelled to Abel like, "Go on, Abel, so nice. You see, you see what you can do." And like, I mean, he just he he needs some confidence at times, and I think he gets that confidence with with the Spain youth uh, teams more than with Barca because it's a bit more. How can I put it? Like he's put at the number nine position, and he's he's just dominant and. Uh, and he's, I don't know, he, he just finds, uh, he's just better at finding space with Spain yeah. for some reason. I think one of the big reasons for that is that Abu Ruiz, when he's playing for Spain, he's playing against kids his own age. Unlike for Barca B, when he's playing against last season players in the Segunda Division who are at times 10 plus years his senior. And that's so, I mean, Abu Ruiz, when we've seen him at his worst, it's because he's playing against players with a decade more of experience. And when he's playing against players, of a similar age group, he's always been fantastic. And so for Abu Ruiz, when I, when I see him for Spain and even for Barcelona, the reason why I, I honestly believe, even though a lot of traditional number nines aren't seen as projecting for future Barca superstars, what makes him so good is that when Luis Suarez was at his best playing alongside Messi and Neymar, we'll say back in, in, in the Champions League winning season, it was because... Luis Suarez is so good of, of playing along that back line and then making those runs behind the, de- the defense. Any Barcelona forward, particularly number nine, is going to have to do that job. They're going to have to tirelessly not touch the ball a lot, and then when they do touch the ball, they've got to finish w- with clinical precision. Precision, And for Abel Ruiz, that is the kind of play that he does project to be. He does have some hold-up play, as you mentioned, and then he was able to get in behind the defense when he plays uh, against people his own age. So it's just going to take a little more maturity for him. I actually think... Uh... Yes, partly the reason is that he's been playing with Barca B and with the older players, uh, and he needs to adapt as well. And but I also think that in terms of his position, 
Um, he is at his best at uh, when he's a number nine and when he has wingers next to him, or when he is a bit on the left, uh, but with the false nine uh, at uh, at the striker position. Uh, he has had some problems when he has been playing next to Marc Cardona uh, in attack, who is like the number nine. Uh, but then Abel Ruiz played as a left winger instead of uh, left uh, inside forward. Um, so I actually. I think that if he got the ch- chance to play next to Messi, I think uh, he would automatically just score so many goals. I think that's the perfect position for him, and I, I hope that we can at some point see that. Um, but and but I, I I hope that he can have a good season at Barca B uh, this uh, uh, this year. So some of the other Barca B players that I, I'm just going to run down this list, and you can pick and choose some of the names that that catch your ear that you think are guys that we should really keep an eye on for future first team. And those players being midfielder Alex Callado, currently injured Mateo Mori, but we've heard a, a Barcelona podcast listeners have heard me talk about him in the past. The right back who, just like Abel Ruiz for Spain, Mateo Mori has been one of the best players for the Spanish youth leagues all the way up through, I mean, Spanish youth teams all the way up through, as well as being a really important part of the Juvenil A team at right back. The goalkeepers, Iñaki Pena and Lazar Karavich. Andro Ariana, who is going to be registered with the Juvenil A team, but will be playing primarily for the Barca B team, it's already been said. Oscar Mingueza and Chumi, the two center backs who, with Chumi getting that 100 million euro release clause, the club clearly showing their faith in him. So just spouting all those different names. And the reason I didn't mention Oriol Busquets is because he is not only currently injured, but we know that he'll be playing with the B team. And he is a good enough player already to potentially crack the first team. So we're not going to cover Oriol Busquets. But of that other list of names, and even if there's a guy I missed on Barca B right now, what are the ones that kind of jump out to you? Uh, I would say uh, um, I would say definitely... Uh... Of course, it's a major shame that he got injured, but Matteo More, uh, Matteo More Jaume, uh, actually, it's just called Mate. I, I think he he's been one of the best uh, right backs at Bar- at La Masia for the past many years. Um, he joined from Mallorca uh, when he was 15, I think it was, and he's just been super impressive ever since. Uh, it was a bit of a shame that he didn't get so many minutes with Barca B last season. He was, I think he. Throughout the entire last season, he he, he was already better better than Sergio Palencia, but Palencia being the captain, he, he had to play. Um, but I think um, Mate uh, definitely has a lot of promise. And now with his injury, it, it'll be a, a lot more difficult because when he comes back, he's gonna have to compete with Vague, uh, who is signed, uh, who is, who's been signed as like as a as a B player, but a player who going to have training sessions with the first team and maybe get promoted at some point but I think they'll have a they'll have great competition between them when Mate gets back I had hoped that that they would have great competition with each other throughout the entire season and then like the best would come out of it um but um but yeah now we'll have to see what happens with Mate when when he comes back uh, Collado he he was superb alongside the Vicky last season at Juvenile in midfield um but uh, it seems like he didn't really do anything in preseason. Uh, he he looked a bit um, maybe he was uh, punching above his weight a bit um, in, in the first team preseason. He'll have he'll have a season with Barca B now, and then we'll see uh, if he can continue to develop. I think a player you didn't mention, Monchu, uh, for the midfield, who who is who is very like a very 
standard Barca midfielder. You know, he, he passes a lot. He he's constantly on the ball, constantly moving. He's he's pretty small and he, he's small, but he, he's he's just everywhere in either in defensive midfield or central midfield. He he also scored a terrific free kick goal yesterday in Barca B's first preseason game. But uh, but I think um, I think Iñaki Pena. Uh, the goalkeeper is definitely worth uh, keeping an eye on. Uh, it's a bit of a shame for Iñaki Pena that that he has to um, uh, that he has Tashtegan in front of him whenever if he would ever join the first team. Of course, it's very difficult to to, to compete with Tashtegan. Um, uh, Sadevich, the other goalkeeper, I think he'll maybe be loaned out. Uh, I, I I don't think he'll get a lot of minutes for the first team uh, next season. Uh, not, not the first team for the B team. I think Iñaki Pena is ahead of him. Uh, probably also uh, the other two goalkeepers, Sergi Puch and uh, Joaquin Esquieta. So Chumi, uh, you mentioned you mentioned Chumi, and he's 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 a bit of a curious case uh, because there's nothing about him that really really stand out. But he's just very solid on a lot of different levels. Like all the all his attributes are are pretty solid. He's He's not the tallest, but he, he's pretty strong and he's fast and he's a good defender, good on the ball. Uh, he's always been picked out for the Spain uh, youth teams and now let's see how he does in his first uh, Barca B season. Um, but again, the same with Cuenca, it is very difficult for uh, for Barca B centre-backs to, to make it to the first team. It has to be somebody really, really special. I mean, I mean, I would say... Of course, somebody like Puyol, but even even Puyol uh, had to had to wait until it was 22, 21, 22, before even getting a shot at the at the first team. Nobody counted on him. Um, but other than that, uh, top top talents like Matt Batra, um, I would say, of course, PK, but he left before uh, he, before he even joined Barca B. Um, and somebody like Eric Garcia, who unfortunately left last summer, I would have expected more from them them. Uh, Chumi is a is a decent player, but I'm not too sure if he if he has the how can I say like the ceiling to to join uh, the first team. He also made a pretty bad mistake against Roma. It was where he he, con- he conceded a penalty um, right towards the end. And I think in the case of center backs and goalkeepers, so uh, Inaki Pena, who's I'm talking about, that I mean obviously those are two positions where players develop later as well. So expecting them to break in. To a first team as a teenager is even more rational than a midfielder or a forward who, particularly for a winger, they seem to have their best when they have their legs under them in their early 20s. You're, you're completely right. I mean, we, we've seen for many seasons now, at least for as long as I've been following La Masia, we're close. Um, goalkeepers, especially, they tend to leave. I mean, they're the most promising goalkeepers. They tend to leave when they reach the Barca B, the first couple of Barca B years. Um, we had the case of Andre Onana uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, he was really, really good. I mean, he was super exciting back in 14-15 when he had his first season at Juvenile. He was completely dominant. Um, but when he when he when he sat down to negotiate the new contract, he wanted to be on the first team within two years. Um, but the club just couldn't uh, promise that because they had they had just signed Claudio Bravo and Tushtegen, but at that point. Tushagen was already seen as somebody who would uh, be a long-term goalkeeper for the club, so he ended up joining Ajax, and there he has been. He's been a regular ever since, and he's he's very highly rated now. Uh, there are a couple of other goalkeepers who have left, um, but Iñaki Pena is very good. Actually, there's also a very good under-19s goalkeeper uh, for for the next season, 
His name is Adnal Tenas, um, also super promising, um, but he's going to have the same difficulties as Iñaki Peña. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and a perfect transition that you had given us a little bit earlier when the name you mentioned was Eric Garcia. And so the, I'm going to give you the list. And so we're, we're going to get into a, a little discussion here now in the show, talking about the players who left, trying to get... And each player has a different reasoning. I want to make that very clear that every player, youth player that leaves Barcelona has a personal and different reason for leaving. And then the last part of this little discussion here is going to be about the division, not only amongst the, the, the fans of the club, but seemingly at the club itself and some of the figures that have a voice there, the division about bringing players back once they leave the academy and, and what that discussion looks like. And so those players that, that you, we can run through some of the names here are Eric Garcia and Adrian Bernabe. They both went to Man City. Robert Navarro and Jordi Mbula at different times went to Monaco. Sergio Gomez, who we've talked about a lot on this show, has, went to Dortmund last winter. Pablo Moreno recently this summer has left for Juventus and Joel Lopez left for Arsenal. And so those are some of the most promising La Masia products through the years that basically either left at even even farther down the totem pole or they left at the Juvenil A level, that being the likes of Sergio Gomez, Mbula, and, and Bernabe was about to be there. Uh, but, those, but the rest left even younger than that. So with that that exodus of talent. And when you do mention the fact that Eric Garcia looked like a guy who could have been the, the he, well, he really was the best prospect at the center back position in the entire Academy when, the, when he left. And so when you lose guys like that, I mean, I, not only does it hurt the first team, obviously in the future, potentially, but if anything, it hurts morale. And as silly as that sounds, it just, it creates this, this volatile and venomous era of distrust for the system, and, and then you question if things are really working. And do you think it's that these guys just left personally? And obviously the easy answer here is that these other clubs that I'm mentioning, uh, a lot of repeats there, particularly in Man City, they're offering youngsters a lot more than Barca can and probably should. And so Man City just have the deep pockets to do that. And it, is it all just about money, or is there something else deeper here, Naveed? Obviously you're following this much closer than, than I am. I think it, it's very, very unfair to, to, to say that it's because of the money. Uh, of course, the money is a part of it. Of course, they need wages and the other clubs just offer a lot more wages in general for youth players. Um, Barca have this, uh, they have this philosophy that, uh, that the, there can't be too much uh, space between those who earn the most in La Masia and those who earn the least. Um, but they have been to to like battle uh, this to fight this exodus. They have promised some players uh, loyalty bonuses um, so that they at some point, if they decide to stay, would get more money uh, when they are promoted. I think it's for Barca B. I think, but it is a major problem. It's actually it's of course it's not unusual that players leave. Players have left all uh, like since. Uh, ever since La Masia started, I would assume. Uh, I mean, every year somebody have left, but this kind of exodus with so many incredibly good players, I would say everybody except for Joel Lopez of those you mentioned are somebody worth uh, paying attention to uh, in the future and somebody who uh, all of them, uh, maybe not Jordi and Bula as well, but the rest of them, I think they would have been uh, clear candidates for a, a future at the first team, at least getting some some chances. But uh, it's it's unprecedented and it's it is worrying. Uh, at one 
uh, it, yeah, it is definitely worrying. And the causes of it, I think, is that uh, over the past handful of years, the first team have had a lot of difficulties of integrating La Masia players to the club. There have been a lot of, there have been a lot of, uh, yeah, um, how can I put it? Like just bad handlings of youth players. You, you had it. You had a pretty solid generation with Munir, Grimaldo, and Samper. Um, and Munir, of course, of course, was uh, promoted, which was nice. Sandro was also uh, Sandro Ramirez was also promoted that summer. Um, but they had MSN in front of them, so of course they they didn't get so many minutes. Uh, and then you had Grimaldo and Samper, uh, who were who would have been behind Alba and Busquets. So the club decided that both of them should leave on loan to get more uh, experience and then return as better players. But the loan offer that they offered Grimaldo was rejected by Grimaldo himself because it was uh, his the club that he hated, uh, Levante. He's a Valencia boy. And then and also they offered him the uh, loan move the day before the transfer window left before having, uh, before having even told him that they wanted to let him go on loan so he rejected and Samper he he left eventually left on loan for Granada but both at Granada and Las Palmas uh, he, he joined them because of Paco Gemes and the football that he plays and at both uh, at both clubs Paco Gemes was fired inside the first month right uh, so it's, it's just been absolutely uh, yeah just catastrophic um the integration of the youth players, and I think there has been a lot of worrying amongst the the best. Uh, I mean, that there, there are a lot of the best youth players around. It's very difficult to to like say this guy is the best uh, youth player around. But a lot of the a lot of the best youth players around have been worried that they might not get a, a, a chance to to shine at the first team. So when they turn 16 and they have to sign their first professional con- contract. Some have decided that other clubs uh, have shown more direct interest of getting them to the first team quicker. For example, Rupert Navarro, who left, um, he's just 16 and he played with Cadete last season. Um, he left for Monaco and he's been playing every single game in preseason for the first team at Monaco and he's still training with the first team. Um, and that would never have happened at Barca. He would have. He would have been. He was offered a promotion to Juvenil A, so skipping Juvenil B. But then he would have, if he had a good year at Juvenil A, maybe he would have gotten a shot at Barca's preseason. But then everybody would know that he would have been playing with Barca B first, and then uh, then we would have seen from there. So maybe the bureaucracy has been a bit at fault, if you can call it a bureaucracy. Um, but definitely, had it has been a major problem. Of course, we also have to focus on all the players who have renewed uh, because there have been a lot of very, very good players who have renewed uh, in the past, in the summer. Of course, Enrique being one of them, Abel Ruiz, um, Oriol Busquets, uh, Yandro Oriana, so many other players. Uh, Cuckoo, Miranda, of course. Um, not Cuckoo, if I'm mistaken, but Miranda especially. Um, so many good players renewing and I think that they should be uh, encouraged and uh, cheered on uh, because of their decision, decision to stay and those who have left I've seen a lot of people uh, tweeting and calling them a, a bunch of different stuff like anti-coolers and you can't 
you can't talk about them as Barca fans and stuff like that, which is just it's just ridiculous. I mean, they have they are professionals. I mean, they are becoming professionals, and they are considered. They are considering the futures all the time, and they have been, from what they've seen at Barca, uh, they have been worried for for some time, and some of them have decided to uh, that for their futures to be uh, to be in the best hands, they have decided to to leave, and I think we should we should accept it, um, and of course it's a shame, but we should also hope hope for the best for them. Um, but of course, at the same time, a lot of very good players have stayed. Luckily. Yeah, certainly. Um, and one of the reasons that Pep Segura gave, uh, has publicly given several times for uh, part of the, we'll, we'll call them issues with La Masia, is that the transfer ban back uh, now, what, three, three plus years ago, that the nine players affected, and those we talk about, Takafusa Kubo, who currently plays for SE Tokyo. He's still just 16 years old, but he's one of the most promising players in the entire world, and that is world. He's a, a Japanese forward. Ben Liederman was a young U.S. player. Now he just left to play for Ghent, and I, I, we tweeted about that. Oh, I tweeted about that personally. Um, and Ben Liederman was a promising midfielder who... Uh, much like the next one, Patrice Susio, a Cameroonian forward, who his story was well documented by the, the Twitter account Young Kules uh, about staying with Alice Gallardo and his just personal journey after having uh, been forced out of the academy, uh, not only his professional career. Uh, Kais Ruiz Atil was sent back to PSG, so PSG didn't have to do anything to get a good player like him back. Keo Chandry, who now plays uh, in, in France for, for Nantes B, was, was also... Uh, had trouble with the transfer ban. Sung Hu Lee, who currently plays in Italy for Ayas Verona, and Sung Ho Pak, who played for Girona's B team. Joel Yi Zhang, who's also the third of the South Korean trio, who's having a little bit of trouble getting his professional career off the ground. And Bobby Adenkaye, the last one who now plays for Liverpool's U23s. Those nine players who, as you, as you just heard me say, have met different fates along the way. So, of course, as we talked about, who knows where they would have been as players if they had stayed in the academy, if they had stayed in La Masia. The, the answer is most likely that not all of them, maybe one or two of them, could have re- reached ha- the high heights that were expected of them when they were these star talents, when they were the ages of 15, 16 years old, even 14 for some who were forced out of the club. But Pepsigor, again, does look at that transfer ban as being a, a big part of losing talent. And I guess there is something to say with that, Naveed, that when one or two of your teammates, uh, some of the best of your teammates, wind up leaving the academy, it just takes the entire level of talent down one step. So I see where Pepsigor is coming from. But again, it also looks like a little bit of an excuse that for a player like Kubo, He's a player that Barcelona are going to have to go back out after when he turns 18, and you have to hope that he wants to come back to the club if he really is the kind of player that he's shown that he is at just 16. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, in terms of uh, with regards to Kubo, um, he hopefully he'll return. Actually, he's, he's been regularly coming back to Barcelona uh, every year, uh, at least once every year, and sometimes he's at, he's also trained with the uh, with his old teammates. Um, so there's there's. There's some contact definitely between him and the club. I also heard that the club have sent several times, a lot of times, uh, a dozen of times, uh, sent, uh, sent scouts to see him at, um, at Tokyo when he was playing at youth level. And of course, I would expect them to, to watch all his games now. Um, and I hope that, that he can come back next summer. Um, I think, I'm, I'm not sure about that Pepsi Buda excuse. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's a correlation 
direct correlation. In fact, I think that when the players left, uh, were forced to leave, uh, the blame was put on FIFA, uh, and I think it was a ridiculous decision um, because that law was made uh, to avoid child trafficking. Um, and a lot of clubs have done similar things who haven't been punished yet. Uh, and of course, Barca didn't child traffic. Uh, they were just, they were giving a lot of these players, they were giving them huge, huge opportunities. Some came from really poor families and they were giving apartments and an education and uh, and like just a solid uh, base, base of living. Uh, and they shouldn't be punished for that. And it, the children shouldn't be punished for that. That was the most ridiculous thing that... It was the children who were uh, who were the uh, who were those who were punished the most. Uh, I mean, sure, Barca got a transfer ban and whatever, but I mean, they won the treble. Uh, some would say because of the ban, because they really, really focused on long um, on short-term signings that won some back in 2014. So the the squad was really, really strong when they won the treble. Um, but I mean, the children were punished, and I think. I don't think. Uh, I think actually it created more solidarity between the uh, children in the club. Of course, all that La Masia no es toca uh, campaign that the that the club they ran. Um, I think. I think the biggest issue uh, with regards to players leaving has been that the first team uh, has been very bad at integrating Barca B players, uh, giving them chances, regular and permanent chances, and I and. and Currently, the main the main man responsible for that is Pep Segura, so I'm not surprised at all that he tries to uh, that he tries to push away uh, responsibility from himself. Yeah, well, one of the important things that I do want to note in support of the academy, and it was recently uh, something you made, you can watch on YouTube. It's a, it's a short film called The Barcelona Way, and in in that in that feature, not only is Pep Segura interviewed, but it is made very clear, and yes, this could be a little bit of you know propaganda, if you will, for the club. But the academy is really proud of, of saying that even if these players aren't projected to be future professionals at Barcelona, they try to give them the proper education and try to make sure that intellectually there are people that can go on and do things that that non-professionals do and, and get an education and potentially get on their way to a degree. And Oro Busquets is actually the player that is featured that says that you know, he's a player that obviously is going to be a professional football player, um, more than more so than a lot of the other names that we've even gone through in this show. Yet, Oral Busquets says that he's really proud of, of, of basically finishing up his degree now at the age of 18 and getting to a point where even if some terrible injury hampers his career and, and God forbid, one of these players retires at 21, they still have some kind of backing where they're able to move on with their lives and they're not just kind of spit out onto the street. And that's kind of what that, again, the, the player Patrice Susia, who I would recommend you go back and read about, uh, was that he was a player that was, that was taken and just, again, thrown out and said, figure it out on your own now that you don't have Barcelona supporting you anymore. Well, I think it's time to move on from some of that negativity. And we're going to end on a positive note here. We talked a little about Pep Segura's role at the club, so we're not going to talk any more about that. Instead, we're going to go through, and again, the disclaimer at the beginning, I bring it back to you at the end with our last discussion here, that these players in particular are not even Barca B players. Most aren't even Juvenil A players. They're even below that. So I want to remind everyone that maybe one of these players 
could play for the first team, most likely even zero someday, but maybe one or two make the first team. Maybe all of them wind up being professionals. Some may not even continue on with football beyond the age of 21. So, but we're just gonna go over some of the names. And one of the ones you already mentioned, forward Alejandro Marquez. He's currently playing for the Juvenil A team. He got some appearances for Barca B and I expect he'll be on that bench occasionally this season. So he's one. Conrad De La Fuente is another forward, and the reason I bring him up, obviously in the USA, now that Ben Lederman is gone from the club, De La Fuente is a guy that I highlight, and yes, he has played for the Catalonia, uh, he played a friendly for the Catalonian national team because he was born in Barcelona, but he's been playing the youth teams with the USA, so that's an exciting thing here for all of our, our US-based listeners. I also want to mention, of course, the two that we want to highlight, the two biggest stars in the academy right now, Xavi Simmons, the midfielder, the Dutch midfielder, and Nicolas Gonzalez, another one of those attacking midfielders, and then the other names, Niels Mortimer, who is a forward, and then the two center backs I just want to highlight are Gerard Gomez and Jose Martinez. So all of those names, if you could just, again, I threw a lot at you right there, Naveed. So you can, again, pick and choose some of the names that you want to talk about, some of those guys that have caught your eye. And we actually have talked about Xavi Simmons before, but this is the first time Nicholas Gonzalez has been mentioned on the show, on the Barcelona podcast. So again, you can just pick and choose. And if there's any I, any I missed that you've seen, at again, those farther down the, the pipeline, uh, again, we'd love to hear about those players now. Uh, okay, so just to start off with, uh, yeah, the the most hyped one and the most well-known one, um, maybe not well-known, but the most known one, uh, Xavi Simons. Uh, he is he's become a phenomenon, um, uh, not always because of because of the fact that he's a good talent, but because there's something about him that makes people love him and expect extreme amounts of like everything from him I mean uh, next Xavi next Messi next Puyol because of his hair I mean it's just sometimes it's been a bit ridiculous he's a he's a superb talent but he as well as every other La Masia player has to go through extreme an extreme amount of competition um, before they can even be considered to make it at the first team um, his team actually has the most amount of extremely gifted midfielders in La Masia at the moment. Uh, I'm just looking at uh, a lineup for, for a potential lineup for a potential squad list for this season. Uh, from his team, he'll, he'll play with the Cadet A's, so that's the under-17s. Uh, the players who were born in 2003, some in 2002. So, Chavez Simons has been playing a lot at defensive midfield uh, over the past uh, season. Um, mostly because at central midfield there are two superbly talented players currently. Um, one of them is Fermin Lopez, uh, playing on the left midfield, uh, left left hand side in midfield, some, sometimes also at left wing. Uh, the other guy being Mark Pelat, the other kid being Mark Pelat, uh, who is also a, a very good two-footed central midfielder, very elegant. But at at that team there are. Uh, a couple of other very, very, very good central midfielders as well. One, Marc Cazado, uh, another Alex Ginard, and, and they just signed a very good Espanol. Oh, was he from Espanol? I can't remember. A uh, central midfielder called Chus Abbas. Uh, and at defensive midfield, Xavi Simons has to compete with Jorge Alastue, who is also very, very good at left footed uh, defensive midfielder. So, uh, thinking that Xavi Simons is like. Uh, the player in La Masia who will just 
just like calmly reach the first team at some point is 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 a pretty big myth at this point in La Masi, uh, between Barca fans. And I, I just want to 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 say that he has a lot of competition. Um, he he's arguably not not the best cadet A midfielder. Uh, as I said, there, there's an extreme amount of competition. And actually, I was writing with uh, a sport journalist who covers La Masia uh, the other day, and he thought that, uh, and this might be a shock to a lot of people, but he thought that the midfield for next season would probably, for Cadet would probably be, that was his opinion, it would be Alastue at defensive midfield, and then Marc Casado and Chus Abbas. Uh, so he didn't even have Charlie Simons in his in his 11 for next season at Cadet Maybe he's got something against Charlie Simons. I don't even know. But I really, really like Charlie Simons. I'm, I'm in regular contact with his dad, and um, and I hope for the best for him. Uh, I know he's uh, he's got so much pressure on him, but he's covering it. He's he's coping with it pretty well. I mean, he has three million followers on Instagram, and he's been so extremely hyped uh, ever since. Like maybe maybe since he was ten years old, eleven, twelve years old. Um, but there are a lot of other very, very good midfielders just in his own team, not even to mention the rest of La Masia. Uh, sorry, that was a bit long, but uh, but but somebody's got to make it clear uh, at some point. Uh, because, I mean, imagine if Xavi Simons, when he, re- when he reaches the juvenile teams and he's not even playing that much, if he were to not develop, as we all hope, um, people would be in, <laughs> in a major crisis because maybe some would even still... Uh, think that he he was gonna make the first team at some point, but but yeah, it's uh, it's really ridiculous to to have too much high hope for. Uh, I mean, Chelsea Simons have been considered as a future first team player since he was like twelve, which is it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Um, other players, sorry, but other players that are worth mentioning, I think uh, they're not that many La Masia uh, defenders worth mentioning as centre backs. But there is actually one who is being really, really highly rated these days. It's the Cadet A uh, centre-back Diego Almeida. He actually skipped the Cadet B level uh, to play with Cadet A this season. Um, a tall, strong, fast centre-back, really good on the ball, of course. Um, but he's somebody who, who's being highly rated at La Masia. And currently, he's definitely seen as the, the most talented centre-back that we've got. Um, then... Let's just take Xavi Simons' team candidate for next season. They have a really, really st- uh, strong, fast uh, right winger, Mamadou Saidou Ba, uh, a pretty decent forward called Leo Dos Reis. Uh, he's very lanky and tall, not the usual Damasia striker. They have a really, really good uh, left back, Alejandro Balde. Uh, and actually, the team below them, the Cadet B, they also have an, an, a really, really good left back uh, called Juan Larios. Uh, when he was signed from Sevilla, he was actually. Uh, already really, really uh, highly rated back then. And for a left-back, that's unusual, uh, left-back signings in La Masia. Um, yeah, a lot of people in Sevilla, they said that this guy was uh, just something else. And I've seen him play a couple of times, and he's really, really good. The Cadet B team, have uh, they have uh, Pablo Paez, uh, who is also an interesting attacker, midfielder, two-footed, very elegant. Um, they have a good right back Pablo Lopez uh, a player worth mentioning um, who is still extremely young uh, playing for Infantil A so that's under 13, 14 
I believe, yeah, under, under 13, Munoz. I believe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cristobal Munoz, um, who, uh, yeah, he's, a, he's an attacking midfielder, and and there's already a lot of highlights of him uh, online. Cristobal Munoz, um, ah, he, he, he's done some really, really exciting stuff in the La Liga, uh, La Liga Promises tournament, uh, and, and when he was signed last summer, he was mentioned as being the most talented Alevin player, uh, so that's under 12 in, in the in the whole of Spain when Barca signed him. So he's somebody um, who's going to be interesting to uh, to follow. Um, there's a there's a really good striker in La Masia in the younger categories called Xavi Planas at the moment. Another good there are so many good midfielders in La Masia as you would expect, but one of them who is uh, who's continued to impress is Adria Capdevilla. Um, I mean, okay. So the juvenile B team, uh, the under 18s, they have they have a they have an okay squad for next season. Uh, they have a defensive midfielder, their captain Alex Rico, who is uh, who is a very uh, not not your Sergio Busquets or Oriol Busquets type of midfielder. He's a he's, he's somewhat smaller and and not that um, well built physically, but he's superb on the ball and a very smart midfielder. They also have a decent centre back. Called Gerard Gomez, uh, a couple of uh, pretty good players, Mark Domenic in midfield. Uh, they made a, a couple of good signings this summer. Uh, Brian Peña from uh, from Espanyol, uh, a promising midfielder playing for Spain, uh, Spain under 16s. He was called up for last season. They also signed uh, an Uruguayan uh, striker, or I think he's still on trial, but he's been doing pretty well, so I think he will be signed. Called Axel Perez. They also signed a Real Madrid striker, Diego Lopez, who is also uh, who also sounds pretty good, but we'll see how, how they do the new signings. Other than that, uh, of course, there are there are so many good uh, players around, and and I just want to mention from from before. I mean, I believe that Xavi Simons is a, a superb talent, and it's not to downplay him as a player at all, degrade him as a player at all. Uh, it's just that sometimes the expectations are pretty ridiculous, and I find it sometimes that that it can get a bit uh, out of hand. Uh, and I I watch him play so many times. He's a very very interesting player, and I enjoy watching him play. And I I have enjoyed him play ever since I, I started to watch him back in 2013. Um, but we need to be careful, and of course. Now, of course, we've reached a point where it's impossible to control whatever happens. Uh, he's getting 50,000, 60,000 likes uh, for every post he, he posts on on Instagram, uh, which is incredible. Um, but uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I am in contact with his dad, and I've, I've asked his dad, like, hasn't it been inc- like incredibly difficult for Xavi uh, with all the attention that he's gotten? And, I mean, he told me that, of course, it's... Is very unusual, um, but he believed that Chavi was handling it very well and that he's extremely mature for his age, and I believe so as well. Uh, he is, after all, the captain of his team and has been so ever since he, he joined the club. But um, but yeah, I mean, there has been a lot of players who have left La Masia, but the important thing with La Masia is that whenever one talent leaves, another one will replace him. And fortunately, the, sky, the, the scouting network uh, will always be fantastic at La Masia. They always get some really, really nice players from all across all across uh, of Spain. Actually, most of their scouting network is in Catalonia, um, 
so a lot of the players are actually Catalan, and they, I don't know what what uh, what's happening with Catalan players, but Barca just they just develop and scout uh, one good player after the other. So I don't think there's any need to be worried. Uh, there are a lot of great great players. Yeah, absolutely. And Navid, this is why we brought you on to break down all those different names and to give us different names. And I bet a lot of our listeners have been Googling like crazy as they continue to listen. And we're going to have a list of all the players mentioned on the show. It's going to be a tall task. That's why it's going to take a little long to get this out. And even if it's not in your show notes, if you head over to barcelblock.com, we're going to, again, have a full list of all the players, whether it's the players that left, the players affected by the ban, all the players that Naveed has just mentioned, and, of course, the ones that at the start of the show, whether it's Pooj or Miranda, the ones that you know well, we'll have that full list. Uh, you can find it in the show notes or a link to it eventually, as well as on barcelblog.com. Well, Naveed, in that final section, when you were going through all those players, clearly, obviously, you're an expert in La Masia. And so I just want to give you a little bit of a time and platform here to say that, obviously, for those not following the at Young Kool-Aid's Twitter account, we highly recommend it. That's, I know, where I get the majority of my La Masia news. And it seems like that account had a announcement to make. And I'd, I'd like to give you a platform again to let people know where you can hear a little bit more from you and some of your compatriots. Uh, that's, that's very kind of you. Uh, Dan, uh, the thing is that we are uh, starting a... Uh, La Masia podcast uh, at Young Coolis. Uh, there will be some more info uh, as soon as possible on the on the channel. Uh, we've already recorded the first episode, but but yeah, we're starting a La Masia podcast where we'll be focusing on, of course, the academy and the B team, uh, the juveniles, and then downwards from there. Uh, we'll have some player focuses from time to time and a lot of fan questions. Um, we'll be we'll be answering a lot of questions uh, and. Uh, yeah, we're also we're also going to talk briefly from time to time about the first team with from a Bars, from a La Masia perspective. Um, so it's uh, it's it's exciting. We've been talking about starting a podcast for for some time. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see uh, to see where uh, where things will go. But uh, but yeah, it, uh, we're we're pretty excited. And that of course that difficult balance of not overhyping these young talents as we've talked about this whole show, but in the same respect honoring the fact that. Barcelona is built because of the farmhouse, because of La Pancia. That's been why one of the main reasons that you and I support this club, that we trust that they have a system in place to promote their own talent, and they're not just money-grubbing from other clubs, but they are developing and they're giving the talents that they produce, the soccer sense that FC Barcelona has, that, that, that more than a club mantra is instilled in all of these youngsters and that's one of the reasons that both you and I support this club so Naveed as we wrap this one up I want to give you again plaudits and plenty of thank you as not only did we have our longest edition of the Barcelona podcast but we were finally able to have our La Masia special and Naveed we could not have done it without you thank you so much you're welcome man thanks for letting me be on it was a pleasure and thanks to you the listeners for listening to this edition of the Barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon more Barca.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.